Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Ben Reikley. Greetings and welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show, On The Mark. The deep voice man fails to mention how it all gets glued together, and that's with the hard work of our fabulous producer, Rob Center. Nothing gets to the radio but through him, so we very much appreciate mm. his work. And saw Robin this morning. We uh, turned back to back, and we were... Five. Social distancing. We were uh, five eleven apart as we uh, as <laughs> five we eleven. Oh, so we were just <laughs> under six foot. So. Well, but we, we feel okay. We were kind of in close quarters around here. Hmm. So uh, yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, beautiful. I think uh, I'm looking for an early spring with this February weather we're having. Early spring, yes. Uh, yeah, this is early, mid-March weather. When we go down to 29 tonight and the daytime high is 46 tomorrow, that is, it is March 16th. Okay. Or no, no, I'm sorry, March 14th when we have that weather. Or, okay. but better yet, November 27th. If this is mm. Thanksgiving weather. You wonder what the weather's like on Thanksgiving. So here we got it. All right, so we got the jobless numbers out. Uh, Mr. Ben Reikley's with me, and I'm Mark Lawrence. Uh, we have on the news line, Bob Garrett often checks in at this time to make sure that we get the uh, jobless numbers analyzed and get some local jobless numbers brought up and talked about. Bob Garrett, President and CEO of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce on the line. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for calling in today. It's fantastic to be with you, uh, Mark and Ben, and only Ben Reichley can find out, find the real balance. The only thing worse than the economic report is the weather report. So uh, <laughs> that is going to be one of those uh, orange golf ball weekends. That's the ball that you use, Mark, when you're golfing in the snow. Oh, I've so been there. So there's a Mother's Day snowstorm, it sounds like. All right. Well, we do. Yeah, he's uh, he's going out with the orange golf ball, I guess, and, <laughs> and wearing thick, uh, his, has one thick golf glove instead of the usual thin one. All right. Well, 20.5 million people lost jobs over the past month, 14.7%. Not as high as some predictions, certainly not good news, and we are definitely in the middle of uh, uh, economic shrinkage. Um, Bob, your reaction? <laughs> Action to the numbers that we're hearing. Yeah, uh, you're, uh, you, hit, you nailed it right on the head, uh, Mark. The, uh, but the actual predictions from the economists were worse uh, than what came out. So if there's a silver lining anywhere in here, it is, it's not as bad as we thought it was going to be. Um, now, keep in mind, these are numbers that were collected two and a half weeks ago. Uh, if you think back two and a half weeks ago, we were probably at the absolute nadar, the, the lowest point as far as uh, unemployment went, et cetera. We know that just in the last week with the restart of construction, the fact that um, that uh, medical centers, medical facilities are able to start bringing back all of their employees who were not involved with COVID-19, we've already seen in the last week five million jobs or five million people have returned to work in the last week alone. So. While the while the uh, the announcer said maybe the worst has not come yet, I, I would I would maybe disagree with what he had to say there. I think we've been at the worst 
unless unless we don't continue to take precautions and we have a double spike uh, or a double peak, if you will, uh, in the coronavirus wave that moved move through places like New York and Philadelphia, et cetera. If, 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 we, if we get reckless now, it will definitely be worse than it currently is, and it's as bad as, as it's ever been. Uh, Mark, we're actually talking about depression level, not recession level, depression level, 1933, if you will, level unemployment at this point. Well, I see this as the pivot point where we start to claw back, but you're saying there are pessimists who say that, uh, you know, all this additional activity, we're going to be out and about, or daycares will be open, uh, that their their fears are quite genuine that will push that uh, coronavirus or that COVID-19 number back up? Uh, absolutely. I, I, I think this is not a time to get, uh, you know, this is not a time to have big social gatherings. This is not a time to have a birthday party for your 90-year-old grandmother with 50 of your family members. That's not this time. At this time, we need to continue to socially distance. We can continue to do a mass when we're uh, interacting with people. And we're going to get through this, Mark. But, but what we have to do is we just have to continue to buy time in this flattened curve or even declining curve, if you will, uh, we need to continue to buy time until we get that vaccine. Once we get the vaccine, then we can start to talk about normal. In the meantime, let's do what we're doing right now, responsible re-entry. That's sort of our mantra here at the chamber is responsible re-entry. It made perfect sense to bring back the construction sector uh, this week. That made perfect sense. In fact, we just had our transportation committee and uh, Matt Beck and Ted Neptula spent probably 10, 15 minutes of it explaining everything that they're doing up on, up there on that big bridge to make sure that those workers are safe. Uh, that made perfect sense. Now we're going to start to bring retail back. We're going to, uh, you know, the, uh, the country club uh, kitchen is reopening tonight for takeout. So uh, that sort of stuff can start happening now. We just have to continue uh, prudent and responsible re-entry uh, and, you know, continue to, to, to take care of ourselves and take care of each other uh, until we can have a true economic recovery. But, Bob, aren't we already starting the economic recovery? We, we've seen states starting to reopen. We've seen states that didn't uh, shut down uh, full force as, as uh, others have. Uh, we, we see what the governor of Florida did by sectioning uh, the, the, and looking at the demographics and getting them in sections and, and, and some some things that probably, uh, unfortunately, some other governors might have looked at. However, timing is, is everything. Uh, so we're seeing Georgia, we're seeing Florida, we're seeing other states start to do this. And now if that peak was coming, wouldn't uh, I believe uh, in looking at uh, some of the doctors we're talking about, that would have been happening in Georgia now because of the, the when they opened up a couple weeks ago. The other parts is look at Pennsylvania and look at Pennsylvania's red and yellow, uh, which now is going to be redefined uh, by, by Governor Wolf. And now we see the numbers out of New York, which uh, you're talking about 66% of the people who unfortunately got this disease were the ones that were quarantined at home and there was some you know questionable management practices on sending people back but the point being that uh, with Georgia Florida 
with what we've seen a little bit in California, even though uh, some of their counties are fighting, but uh, particularly in the Midwest, in the Dakotas, Nebraska, Iowa, don't we already have an ideal that uh, we can come back with uh, some safe practices? Well, and, and uh, Ben, I think you just uh, confirmed what I was uh, saying earlier. According to Market Watch, in fact, uh, this, our, this slow restart of the economy has started. Five million jobs in one week. That's you know we keep talking about all this record and and uh, precedent setting, and there's never been anything like that. I can assure you that no one has ever created five million jobs in one week before. Now we know that those are folks. That were idled by COVID-19. Uh, the, the companies have been had closed down or have been closed down. They're now coming back to work, particularly in the um, uh, in the construction industry and in the healthcare uh, area. Which you know that was uh, it was a sort of a secret that uh, when when healthcare when the hospitals had to set aside elective surgery, they took it on the chin. Their their revenues are way way down because of that. Well, now they're able to bring back those elective surgeries. And, and by the way, you know, elective surgery, we're, uh, we're not talking about me getting hair transplants uh, with that. We're talking about very, very life-sustaining surgeries that could be put off uh, for a few weeks uh, while they waited to see if we had a, a massive surge. So, yeah, you're absolutely cor- correct, uh, Ben. We were, here in central Pennsylvania specifically, we were able to keep the, keep the curve low, keep it down. We didn't overrun our health care systems here in central PA. Um, and uh, and now what we have to do is just keep it down because some epidemiologists, I, I, I'm sure you were on the uh, call with Dr. Rue at Geisinger this week are actually saying our surge doesn't come till July or August. Um, that's what they're thinking. Well, let's prove it wrong. Let's let's continue to do some social prudent, responsible social distancing and reentry, and we can keep that down. Economically, the important thing to remember is that those numbers that we just heard, the loss of 20.5 million jobs, um, that basically wipes out every job that was created in the last decade is gone. Now, we know that those jobs have not gone away. We know that those people are idled and standing on the, on the sidelines, and we can bring them back. What it most concerns me, uh, Mark and Ben, are the predictions we're hearing from the Pennsylvania Restaurant Association that 1,000 restaurants will not reopen after this epidemic. And, and hearing things like the mortality rate of small business. You know, we heard about the mortality rate from COVID-19, but the mortality rate of small businesses could be somewhere between 25 and 33%. That's one quarter and one third of all businesses don't ever come back to business. What we have to stay focused on here in the greater Susquehanna Valley, and particularly the chamber has to stay focused on, is making sure we prove that number wrong. Because I, I just can't imagine, I can't imagine a world with one-third less businesses in it than what we currently have. I, I just, that's unthinkable uh, for me, and that's going to be our main focus going forward, is, is getting the support, getting the help, whatever we need to do to get the small businesses back in business. We're going to make it happen. All right, we'll give you the last word, an additional comment, anything to add to our discussion here. Yeah, I, I guess uh, I just want to talk a little bit about how are we doing locally uh, Mark, and we did actually start to see uh, some uh, some unemployment numbers start to rise here in our counties. Uh, for example, uh, Northumberland County is back up to 7.5. Uh, 
Uh, that's basically where it was during the recession of a few years ago. Snyder County is at 6.4% unemployment. It, it, we only have to think back one year ago uh, on uh, May 13th, as it were, uh, when Woodmode closed down and the unemployment rate went to 6.6%. So I suspect that uh, our local numbers are going to go up a little bit because they, they tend to be uh, behind in reporting, and then they'll come back. On the other hand, Mark, uh, while I'm telling you about the unemployment rate, I need to tell you also that according to PA CareerLink, as of last evening, there are 534 active job openings, many of which are multiple openings. Like, for example, we, we heard last week from Micah Miner from National Beef. He's got lots of positions open. The Geisinger has lots of positions open. Wise Foods advertising on WKOK for, uh, for employees have lots of jobs open. So there's jobs out there. If folks are sidelined, not getting unemployment, not doing well, this is the time to be applying for work. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it is the fact of the matter is there's a lot of jobs still open here in the greater Susquehanna Valley. All right, we'll keep in touch. Uh, there's lots more analysis to go. Feel free to call in or visit at any time. Well, call in anyway for, uh, for more elaboration on this, and, and we'll keep everybody posted about our climb back uh, to prosperity and thriving around here. Thank you so much, Bob. Thanks for calling in. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Ben. Have a good day. Bob Garrett, President and CEO of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce. Uh, standing by on line two, we have Dr. Wendy Lynn Lee of Bloomsburg University. I have to take a quickie break to stay on schedule. We're going to talk to her momentarily. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. Uh, we now are going to switch the guests to Dr. Wendy Lynn Lee, the, uh, I call her the noted philosophy professor at Bloomsburg University, a senior professor and very outspoken on a wide range of uh, feminism and important societal. And now we're, we're going to tap her public policy and just uh, common sense safety viewpoints. Good morning, Dr. Lee. Thanks for calling in today. Good morning. Um, long time no see. Well, yeah, absolutely. We haven't talked to you forever, but uh, I know you're still out there working and uh, making sure that people are uh, are thinking about important topics and, and uh, not thinking small is probably your speciality, making sure people think big. Well, we're switching to the yellow phase around here. What's your reaction to that? You've been monitoring this. Uh, some say it lacks common sense. Others say we got to do it to save our economy. What's your view? I say it's um, really uh, short-sighted. Uh, anybody who looked at the front page of my local newspaper, um, which is the Press Enterprise, uh, and saw uh, that the uh, cases are still on the uptick in Columbia County, 
um, which is uh, until until now uh, still marked red, knows that there is no world in which we have met or even come close to meeting any of the CDC guidelines um, for reopening. Uh, and because this is, in fact, a virus with no treatment and no vaccine in a country with extremely poor per capita testing, it is it defies common sense that we should be moving from red to yellow. It is short-sighted, to say the least. And even from the point of view, I was listening very carefully to your last caller, even from the point of view of business, right, the, the stuff of the Chamber of Commerce, it is still incredibly short-sighted because in the long run uh, and in the face of, let's see, what is right now in the United States, 76,537 deaths, um, in the long run, even businesses will suffer more um, for sheer lack of employees. Maybe your previous guests think that um, folks who would be getting jobs in the beef industry at Geisinger or at Wise Foods are, are warriors, right, and ought to be willing to go back to work. But I, I call them uh, just, we must think of them as acceptable casualties because particularly in the meat industry, we have seen massive, massive outbreaks of the coronavirus, and that includes Pennsylvania. So, uh, yeah, I, I, the move from red to yellow is, is folly. Uh, I gather that Wolf, who I regard as a fundamentally weak governor, uh, is caving to uh, pressure from the GOP, uh, and we're going to pay for it. We're going to pay for it. Well, is there not uh, yeah. some level of acceptable risk we want to undertake? We are going to try to protect uh, vulnerable populations as much as we can, but uh, do we? Uh, is it not time to take a little more risk and see where we can go with it? No. <laughs> no, the answer is simple. No, it's not. And, and all of this language of acceptable risk um, is, I think, really just a kind of self-deceptive cover story that we're telling ourselves um, so that we feel better when more elderly, more vulnerable, particularly more black and brown people, die, right? We're just giving ourselves a way to make that, to paper that over and make that okay, right? But it's not okay. When you're dead, you don't come back. Um, well, Professor, I, I guess uh, it's Ben Reichley now. Yeah, in your world, um, there are some, you know, set goals, and and the set goal would be, I would say this: if there is no economics, then there is more death, as we've seen with diseases in the past, other pandemics. Uh, Nineteen sixty-eight was the Hong Kong flu. Uh, we uh, had an event called Woodstock that a lot of people Hong got Kong. through. So, anyway, uh, mm-hmm. the information in Pennsylvania, pretty interesting. I, I believe these numbers come from the 5th or the 6th of May out of uh, uh, the governor's office. And, and we look at the people who are passing away from this virus. And, and the breakdown, there, there's roughly at this time 3,200 deaths in Pennsylvania. So this is a couple of days ago. Of those deaths, mm-hmm. 2,100 people lived in nursing home 
or personal care homes or unassisted living residences. So when you look at roughly 68% of the people who passed away in Pennsylvania were in this demographics, doesn't it make sense to segment out that group and allow other groups to to take on some sort of facsimile of a, a, a normal life and quarantine these people, keep these people away until the virus moves to different stages. Instead of shutting down 100% or 90% of the uh, economy, look at the segments of people and where this virus attacks. I don't really understand, um, frankly, what level of cognitive dissonance is required to believe that we can effectively do that when we are clearly failing to do it now and the death tolls just keep rising. One thing that's very clear is that we're in those locations, New York City, Los Angeles, San Francisco, where uh, we practiced um, Detroit, very strict social distancing, uh, even mandated in some cases, right? And I recognize that that raises all kinds of civil liberty issues. But even in those places where we practice that strict social segregation, we have still seen a fairly uh, mighty death toll. And when we're talking about segregating, say, our elderly, our vulnerable, um, we're still essentially saying, for all practical purposes, that we're okay with letting them die. Because we know, right, on the evidence, the evidence is patently clear, that we won't fully adequately be able to protect them. And you're ignoring prisoners, inmates, um, folks in other kinds of convalescent centers, right, Uh, and um, folks um, who are otherwise vulnerable and unable, not in a nursing home, and now too afraid to go to a hospital. So, no, we we open up, that death toll is going to rise, right, and maybe we're okay with letting more of our elderly and vulnerable die. Right, but I think we ought to be honest with ourselves that that that's what we're willing to do for the sake of the economy. Even though I still argue that in the long run, the damage to the economy will be even more massive because we're moving too fast. Well, you sort of skipped the question there when we talk about segmenting, and you look at what Florida did, and you look at unfortunately after you see what New York did, the missteps of sending COVID nineteen uh, patients to the nursing homes which then spiked their nursing home numbers. So when you look at uh, second thoughts on how to attack it, nobody knew the answers right away. However, there were some states, there were some areas within states that took appropriate actions with the information they had, but it looks like if you break out the numbers and why people died, particularly in Pennsylvania, and you look at the people who did pass away, and you look at their pre-existing conditions, unfortunately, but 68% of the people are are at uh, 70%, and the average age the or, or 70 years old, the average age is in the high 70s. So, you're telling me that segmenting this population, this demographics, is is not, in your mind, an answer. 
However, shutting down the whole economy for people that are under 60 and can go about and do commerce, shutting them down also is the answer? So, no, what I'm saying, well, two things. Um, first, your point about Florida uh, doesn't really fly. Um, for well, it seems reasons. to be flying One, right now. We won't, we won't know for at least two more weeks because of the length of time that it takes the, uh, the virus to uh, become symptomatic. We won't know what's going on in Florida and what opening is going to look like. That's also true for Georgia. But listening to the previous callers, I checked the numbers. Right, and the numbers in Florida are rising, particularly in population centers. The numbers in Georgia are rising, particularly in Atlanta and in Gainesville. Right, so that's true, and they've only been open for a week. So we're going to see those numbers rise, at least of infection, if not death, in the general population. Doctor Lee, we, Doctor Lee, Doctor Lee, we have just one minute left. We have just one minute left in younger populations from the virus, right? We're only learning now, because we know so little about this virus, what those long-term effects might be, even if they don't produce morbidity. And third, we're in no position to make claims about which populations are going to be the most affected in the long term, because our testing per capita in this country is abysmal. So since we don't know very much yet about asymptomatic spread, and we don't know what percentage of the general 330 million Americans are infected, right? We just do know that it's many more than what we're counting, right? It's at least three times as high as the, what, 1.2 million we've already got, right? We don't know the answers to the most critical questions. And so we have no business acting as if we do. Okay. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate your call and your viewpoints. Tons of food for thought. <laughs> as soon as we can get you back in the studios, we'll do so. Thank you so much, Dr. Lee. Thanks for calling in today. Do appreciate that. Dr. Wendy Lynn Lee, really echoing what uh, some uh, folks in the science and university and epidemiology community are talking about. Really? It's going to give us food to talk about <laughs> during the 9 a.m. hour. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WDK, okay, Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Ben Reikley. Greetings and welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show, On the Mark. We will have open phones at 9.30 this morning. We're going to do news headlines then, now, and then we're going to hear from State Representative David Rowe. Going to check in. I hope he's listening. He'll probably have Mm. some good reaction to the uh, smart folks who have been on the news line earlier today. So uh, we'll be talking to him and them as our show progresses. But open phone starts at 9.30 this morning. On the Mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Please check them out at sunburymotors.com. When the time comes, our toll-free line that'll be open will be 1-800-795-9565. That's 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com and text us at 70236. My good friend uh, Ben Reikley is here, fine local businessman, Republican committee person, and uh, uh, we've, uh, an American. And just a co-host, but we have seen a spectrum of callers this morning. 
and we've only had two. Right. How about it? Yeah, we got everybody involved. So, yeah, wide range of viewpoints. That what makes the show tick. we got a lot of folks uh, contacting us with texts and emails, and we're going to get to those as uh, time uh, permits here. While the heart of the central Susquehanna Valley is now in the yellow phase as of midnight uh, today, other Pennsylvania counties in red had their stay-at-home order extended last night. Last evening, Governor Tom Wolf and the State Health Secretary, Dr. Rachel Levine, said they were doing the formality of extending the stay-at-home home order for red counties until June 4th. Columbia County uh, from which our caller was on the news line a short time ago uh, remains in the red at least until June 4th. Uh, today he does say, the governor says, there will be an announcement of additional counties moving into the yellow phase. No indication yet which counties those will be. 24 counties are now in the yellow phase including Union, Snyder, Northumberland and Montour. The yellow phase order addresses businesses and allows them to open under certain circumstances provided they can do proper sanitation and social distancing and they're encouraged to do curbside service. Daycares can also open with as much precautions as uh, humanly possible and uh, other life-sustaining businesses are permitted to reopen at that time, but uh, many businesses still will remain <laughs> shuttered under the yellow what, phase. What business is not life-sustaining Every business to is the life owner of that someone. business well, who makes a, a living point. off it? So I'll <laughs> we'll have to see, but life, money isn't life, so we have to try to think about that. Anyway, thanks to big-time community support, Shikalami seniors can still be having a good ending to their final year in part. Thanks to Adopt a Shikalami Senior. It's a new program on Facebook that where individuals adopt a senior and then send them a graduation message, card, and a gift if they so choose. Organizer and Shikalami Senior Class Advisor Diane Van Kirk says parents and students uh, post the message and then the community responds. People have gone above and beyond. They have sent gift baskets, and mm. some people have ordered individual yard signs for them, and gift cards, and snacks, and supplies for their college. It's just been amazing. Van Kirk says it was others who came up with the idea. She started the Facebook page. So far, 110 of the approximately 185 students in the graduating class of Shikalami 2020, uh, 110 have been adopted, and, and hopefully that number will go up. You got one? <laughs> I do not have one. Well, I, ha- uh, I have seen the uh, I have no, not adopted the one, one local realtor, uh, villager realtor, I believe, has put out their uh, 2020 graduation signs, which they've done in the past, but I've seen them going out early. So, so they're going uh, up. Okay, fabulous. So I recognize it's, uh, they'll uh, certainly, uh, as we all do remember our graduation, I think they'll remember their non-graduation year, uh, and it will go down as a uh, year year in infamy. The COVID-19 year. Two new COVID-19 cases have popped up in the Valley as of Thursday's numbers from the State Health Department. Uh, Northumberland and Union County each had one new case, bringing Northumberland County's case to 112 and 40 in Union County. Union County had one death. Snyder County had one death. Montour County remains at 50 cases. In their daily update, the State Department of Health said 310 newly confirmed cases were reported Thursday, uh, and as for deaths, there uh, were uh, let's see, where's the number? There we go. 3,400 deaths total in uh, Pennsylvania and surrounding counties. Columbia County still a hot spot with four new cases at 306 and five new deaths, bringing their death toll to 21. Lycoming County has nine new cases at 99 and four deaths. Schuylkill County at 422 cases and 10 deaths. Dauphin County 735 cases and 33 deaths. Juniata County 
up to 92 cases and one death. All of those numbers are posted. And uh, the information I received out of Harrisburg was the average age of those folks who have passed away. Unfortunately, uh, they have passed away with COVID symptoms or by COVID, but the average age is right around 79 years old. 60 and up, yeah, people 60 and people well, we don't. This is the average age of 79. So we don't so, need them, in other so, words. So, no, you got higher and you got a little bit lower, but you're, you're right, so 65 and up probably. Mm-hmm. So again, that segment of the population, do you take steps to protect them? Okay, COVID. Uh, let's see. Finally, all of the valley in the yellow in Snyder County. Some governmental information from Joe Kantz, who says they are ready to open for business by appointment only. I'm so proud of our employees. We've done cleaning protocols in our office. We document three times a day in every single office and department that their office has been cleaned by someone in their office. And other Snyder County government offices reopening by appointment as of today. You can read the full list of uh, county openings at WKOK.com. We are going to be talking to State House Member David Rowe, the 85th District, uh, momentarily. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking about the goings-on in Harrisburg, pending legislation, and uh, life in the yellow phase shortly. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. Got another scheduled guest here. We'll open up the phones at the bottom of the hour. It is 85th District State House member David Rowe, still a freshman lawmaker in there. He's going to be a freshman for years to come down there because he's brand new. So, David, thank you so much for checking in today. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Ben. Good morning, Mark. Thank you for having me. You've been uh, very vocal about the fact that the stay-at-home and the non-essential business shutdown uh, wasn't an ideal thing in your view, and now we are going yellow. So bring us up to date about your thoughts and your opinions about what's happening as we cope with COVID-19. Well, the the adage, too little, too late, springs to mind when it comes to trying to jumpstart the economy here. As Bob uh, Garrett pointed out during his call, uh, the percentage of small businesses that may never reopen uh, is just staggering. And when you account for how many jobs those small businesses provide in the Commonwealth, the devastation here is going to be long-lasting and far-reaching. You know, all due respect to uh, the previous caller who stated that it's, it's much too soon and we need to you know, not worry about the economy, I would respectfully suggest that she's probably still getting a paycheck. And it's very easy to say that the economy needs to stay shut down and people need to stay home when you can do so uh, with the guarantee of a biweekly paycheck from the comfort of your home. Uh, But millions of Pennsylvanians aren't that fortunate. 
But this isn't about money. This is about lives age 60 and up. You know, we can't protect them completely. We're in a shutdown, but we still have nursing home cases popping up, and we still have people staying at home, and most of the deaths are people over the age of 60. We cannot protect them, but are, are we to the point where in order to save our economy, we have to say, well, there are some grandparents that unfortunately just aren't going to make it through this pandemic. Well, I take issue with that. She, she, she made that statement as well. And she and Governor Andrew Cuomo both enjoy saying that the alternative to joblessness is death. And I take issue with that because I think it's nothing more than uh, fear-mongering at that point. Uh, there is a uh, acceptable risk that we as humans have engaged in in our day-to-day life, uh, our day-to-day lives. Um, you know, over a million, uh, not complaints, a million Americans die every year uh, with a total of 3,200 every day they die of car accidents. So if uh, people like Dr. Lee are so concerned about each individual life that they think we should make uh, the majority of the nation unemployed to save lives, then I think she should probably stop driving cars uh, and we should make the speed limit or just make the speed limit nationwide 10 miles an hour, but we don't. And the reason we don't is that there is an acceptable risk that comes along with being a human being in an imperfect world. The deaths in nursing homes and uh, senior care facilities are definitely tragic. Uh, but when we look at the deaths, uh, as uh, it was pointed out previously, over uh, about 70% of the deaths in, are in nursing homes in Pennsylvania. And those nursing homes are directly under the care and the guidance of Governor Wolf and the Department of Health. Uh, and what's truly tragic is that we have uh, written documentation from the Department of Health that mandated these homes take in COVID-19 patients to convalesce. So we are talking about the state mandating sick patients being put into facilities where the most vulnerable populations live. And the true irony here, Mark, is that even just here in the 85th district, we have a company that manufactures, or I should say would have manufactured, uh, modular supplemental care units that would have provided safe and sterile places for sick patients to convalesce mm-hmm. without needing to put the most uh, uh, vulnerable populations at risk. Unfortunately, despite my best efforts, despite the efforts of the uh, Pennsylvania State Chamber, despite the efforts of a host of lawyers, the administration would not relent and give this business a waiver to produce. So here we have a factory that is staffed by young, healthy individuals that have a 98% survival rate, and we are not enabling them to work, and instead we are putting directly in the line of fire the most vulnerable population. So I would argue that those deaths could have been avoided if the private sector were allowed to do what the private sector does best, but instead the government stepped in and intentionally and directly put those vulnerable people in the line of fire. David, do you see the governor, I know they're trying to play the uh, paper shuffle game, uh, do, you, do you ever see the information coming out uh, from the governor's office on what criteria met uh, for businesses to stay open, what the uh, variance uh, levels were as far as uh, uh, what businesses and the geography of where they could operate and where they could stay open compared to uh, what we saw sort of a uh, uh, just a, a chaotic mess early on? So I, I think it's become his sort of a modus operandi. Uh, we find out what the governor is doing by press release. Um, we found out that he was extending the stay-at-home order last night uh, for the Red Counties to June 4th. We found that out via a press release. 
And this goes all the way back to when he first ordered his initial shutdown. We found out less than five minutes before it uh, became active, uh, leaving us scrambling to try, uh, to try to find answers for our people. Um, to sort of give you a uh, just a glimpse into the most recent arbitrary policy shift, uh, the Steel and Grove Speedway was scheduled to hold a pay-per-view event uh, that on Monday, the Department of Community Economic Development and the Pennsylvania State Police uh, gave them permission to do. They agreed upon safety parameters. The race was going to be held uh, with no spectators allowed. Uh, the uh, number of divisions would be uh, cut to 25%. Uh, only uh, a limited number of pit crew members would be allowed. And we're looking at less than 100 people in a 90-acre facility, and that was all permitted. And as, uh, for your listeners who don't know, the Speedway serves the critical role of supporting the uh, funding for the fire department. Uh, now, just uh, arbitrarily and with no explanation, uh, a couple of days later, they got a phone call from BCED saying that new guidance had been issued, and now they were not allowed to have the race. And I have been on the phone uh, several times and several emails back and forth with staff in the governor's office trying to uh, figure out what this new guidance was. You know, we're supposed to be shifting from red to yellow. If anything, the restrictions should be easing. Uh, but now there is new guidance in place that cannot be found on paper that just is simply saying that, no, now you may not do this. So this has been sort of the, uh, op uh, the you know, standard operating procedures for the governor's office to uh, make things up as we go. Uh, and only tell us after the fact. Well, his his tenure as governor will certainly, uh, this will be the highlight of the eight years once he's finished that uh, we've uh, had a governor who's have slept walk through his uh, governorship, in, in my opinion. Uh, however, your colleague Kurt Mosser, Representative Mosser, has the same frustration as does almost everyone, including some Democrats. Uh, you know, the question... I always say is what is in his interest because he doesn't have to be reelected so he can sort of make it up as he goes and what does it really matter and unfortunately it does really matter to Pennsylvanians and the inconsistency coming out of his office uh, is just very frustrating and it's not only for business people not business owners it's for the workers of Pennsylvania not be able to get back to work in some some form to allow them to get back in adjusting. And let me put that in the form of a question. Is the legislature working on some long-term way that we can stop an individual from making all the decisions for the past two months? So, yes, absolutely we are. We have a running list that one of the representatives is uh, keeping of all of these things that have allowed the governor to seize power in the way that he has. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think it will be likely that the governor will sign any reform legislation to curb the executive's authority, uh, so we might have to wait until we get a new governor. But nonetheless, the General Assembly is absolutely keeping a list of what put us into this situation so that we can remedy that in the future. Uh, you talk about, uh, you know, Ben, you mentioned the politics of it, and I think that it's uh, just uh, reprehensible that the, the Democrats tried to make trend the, uh, the statement that it's uh, people over profits. And they tried to make that trend as if uh, profits and businesses are somehow the villains in this disaster situation. Uh, when in reality, profits are what put food on the table. Profits are what feed, uh, you know, feed families. They pay bills. Uh, and there is a direct correlation. And the uh, National Bureau of Economic Research and the medical journal called Lancet uh, put out a, uh, an article citing that every single percentage point hike in unemployment 
uh, leads to a 3.3% increase in drug overdoses and a 0.99% increase in suicide rates. And tragically, we are seeing that play out across the nation. We are seeing um, uh, instances of domestic violence spiking. We are seeing increases in suicide, mental health hotlines. Uh, calls are being increased exponentially. Even here in Pennsylvania, we are seeing counties whose drug overdose counts have doubled all of last year, uh, and we're not even halfway through the year yet. Uh, so to try and uh, vilify profits as somehow the, the evil in this situation uh, just shows either a lack of understanding of how, some, of how uh, the economy works or just an interest in playing politics. And it's beyond just our own, our own national borders as well. Uh, the uh, UN put out a report uh, pointing out that 379 million children around the world in 143 different countries that rely on uh, public schools or Western philanthropy to be fed and to be clothed and have to have access to water will now have to go without those things. And the UN predicts over a million of those children will die. Uh, so if we want to talk about lives, we need to look at the far-reaching and rippling effects that a global economic downturn means. And we are going to be seeing far more deaths from suicide, drug overdose, and starvation uh, than we would see from a virus. So we don't. Uh, and just one, well, please just get, one more thing yeah, I ahead. can point out, just uh, referencing the, uh, the nursing home deaths, uh, it's, uh, again, tragic as those are, it's worth noting that 80% of over 80% of the deaths due to COVID-19 here in the Commonwealth had at least one and up to four comorbidities. Uh, so really only 11% of deaths attributed to COVID-19 in the Commonwealth were due exclusively to the virus. Uh, do, so we need to put those numbers in perspective. Do we need a constitutional change or just change additional laws to make sure that in the future uh, this doesn't happen again? Uh, I think a, a simple, uh, not simple, but a, a statutory change would definitely be the first step. Uh, the, uh, the laws, the uh, emergency sections that give the governor these authorities definitely need to be amended. There's also a certain lack of clarity in them. Uh, it's worth noting that in the statute, there is a clause that allows for the uh, Senate and the House to pass a concurrent resolution with a simple majority and that that will end the declaration. So the intention of the law when it was written was to allow the General Assembly to step in and say that the governor had overstepped, uh, as I certainly would support in this case. However, the state constitution clearly states that the governor has veto power over concurrent, uh, concurrent resolutions. Uh, so we are looking at where the statute and the Constitution are conflicting uh, in their intent. And adjusting statute is certainly much easier than adjusting the Constitution, uh, with the exception of uh, in the uh, current state where we have a, uh, a governor who has embraced uh, autocracy and statism, uh, that if we are able to put a constitutional question on the ballot, uh, that would bypass the governor's ability to veto it. Unfortunately, that's just a much more time-consuming process. David, uh, I know we're finished up here. Uh, we're coming uh, down to the bottom of the half-hour mark, and uh, we got to let you go. But uh, can you give us an idea, uh, you know, finish up your last comments here? Uh, where do you think we go from here in the next today, next week, week after, week after? Well, I'm going to keep doing uh, everything I can on behalf of our constituents. I have spent uh, more time on the phone and on my computer uh, in the past couple of months than I have in my entire life. And that's saying something, because I'm a millennial. 
Um, I, I think that the general public uh, needs to make decisions that are, are uh, that they are able to in their best interest and the best interest of their families and their li- livelihood. Um, I think that we need to definitely reconsider uh, the uh, the sort of long-term stay-at-home shutdown perspective that we are very quickly learning uh, is having a far more devastating impact both in uh, economically and as it refers to uh, to human life, uh, and we need to reconsider that. I would encourage uh, all of the listeners who are maybe not within my district uh, to be sure to make your voice heard. Uh, I get uh, hundreds of emails every day from people in the district, but also even more from people without, from uh, outside the district uh, making their opinions heard to me. And uh, people will post on Facebook and say, it doesn't feel like anybody's listening, but I can guarantee you people listen. Uh, people in the Capitol are hearing uh, people's concerns, people's complaints, uh, and people's phone calls and emails definitely do make an impact. Uh, we have a growing number of members of both the House and the Senate uh, that are concerned that the governor's plan uh, is doing far more harm than good. Um, and and there, that number is growing, but we don't yet have the majority needed uh, to uh, override the governor's veto of, say, Senate Bill 613 or a veto of his resol- of the uh, concurrent resolution. Uh, so I would say everybody needs to continue to make their voices heard. I know that it feels like you're you know, banging your head against the wall, and trust me, that's what I felt like trying to work with the governor's office over the past couple of weeks. But people's voices are heard. Uh, they just need to be listened to. So I would encourage everyone to keep contact. You can find out who your respective legislators if you just google uh pa find your legislator just type that in and the first result will be where you can find who your house representative is and also your senator is along with all of the contact information you need to express your opinions to them all right we'll keep in touch so much more to be said about this uh, keep us informed about this legislation as it moves through and uh keep in touch there's uh, you know we, we have a lot more to do about this than we've done already thank you david thanks for calling in today Thanks, David. Thank you for having me. I do appreciate that. David Rowe, state representative, uh, 85th District, Lewisburg, businessman, uh, mm-hmm. of course now uh, legislator. And, uh, talking you get a full interview with him. Talking about, yeah, <laughs> what, what do you say? You get a 10-minute answer out of an 8-minute question. So, uh, all right, we appreciate well, that. But you get pertinent information. But uh, And he did, he did say he was a millennial, so he... He probably uh, talks a little faster than maybe Kurt, Linda, John Gordner, but that's fine. But, uh, no, his passion is there, and uh, he has hit the ground running in Harrisburg. Uh, he is a uh, legislator that you say freshman legislator, but he's, he's uh, gotten himself well-known down there, and that's good for the 85th District. All right, 1-800-795-9565. They promised open phones. Call us immediately if you'd like to talk on the radio. Oh, yeah, we got the NFL football schedule to talk about, right? Oh, yeah, so no, that'll be at 3 p.m. <laughs> so you're welcome to sit right in that chair until 3 p.m., and they would like to talk about that. But, uh, yeah, we had Bob Garrett on take, talking about the jobless numbers that are at 14.5%. And, of course, we had Dr. Wendy Lynn Lee of Bloomsburg University talking about her common-sense safe approach that she hopes would help keep us safe. And we talked to State Representative David Rowe that uh, we are switching into the yellow and it might be too little too late. So the question mm-hmm. is, what's your view on all of this? 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. 1-800-795-9565.
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. We're backed up with texts and emails. we got callers waiting. Uh, let's read one of the emails that says, Come on, let's stop all the criticizing and nitpicking about the performance of our governor. So he changed his mind about a race, probably for good reason. Well, let us I know what the good reasons are. <laughs> we, we can ask him today. I think he's done a great job at being governor and certainly handled this pandemic mess well and has the safety and interest of all Pennsylvanians at heart. So it's easy. Easy to criticize, especially when you load up your show with all right-wingers. I'm sure Dr. Lee would disagree with that. But anyway, who for some unknown reason continued to support him. The only only right she is is her right hand. (laughs) Anyway, uh, for those who for some unknown reason continue to support and enable a president who I think really deserves to be criticized for the botch-up handling of this pandemic mess, (laughs) had he took taken the lead and all the warnings uh, of this impending crisis and maybe things wouldn't golly. have escalated to the point where thousands of Americans are dead and continue to die. Governor good, president bad. All that right. sums that email up. Uh, yep, that's right. Okay, another uh, texter says, yeah, Dr. Wendy Lynn Lee is still getting paid while the university is closed. Too bad for everyone else. What a fear monger Miss Lee is. Uh, a leftist uh, a you know, I hate, hate to do this, but the text machine jumbled it. I don't even know where the jump is. Uh, but he calls her a leftist college professor, either either oh. at the end of this email or another one. So we'll see if we can glue those together. All right, let's get them going here. Uh, Mike, good morning. We're doing two minutes each on callers here. Two minutes. Go right ahead. You got I'll the floor. I'll heed the warning. I'll heed the warning. Hey, uh, Wendy Lee Lynn said that uh, we have, twice she said, we have an abysmal testing process in our country. You know, she's right on that, but from the tone of her voice, that was an attack on the president. But let me tell you this. Well, well hold on, Mike. What's abysmal about our testing program? Well, that's what I would like to follow up question she would have answered. Yeah. We didn't hear that question. What's abysmal? But I can tell you what is abysmal. What we need is a randomized, systematic analysis of where this virus is in the country. Because if we're going to open it up, we need to know where the virus is. Just testing people that have symptoms or people that just want to get tested isn't the answer. Because to me, data and information is the key to solving all problems and having a full understanding. And without having an idea of where the virus is, how it's spreading, how much is out there, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. Nobody would run any type of scientific evaluation without knowing what they're working with. And right now, I have to agree with her. We do have an abysmal process, but... 
I'd like to know the reason why we're letting it be abysmal. Okay, Mike, how, how do you test 330 million people plus <laughs> maybe 20 million illegal immigrants? Very slowly. Yeah, you, you, t- you tell me what, what process you're going to go through. And, and you know, again, the, we, don't, we don't test people for the flu unless they have symptoms of the flu. So people need to show that. When someone says asymptomatic, you can be asymptomatic of a lot of things. And, you know, 20 years from now, you, you might get one of those. And, unfortunately, uh, you'll have to go to the hospital about it. So put, please put a program together that shows how you can test 330. 30 million plus people, and also visitors coming into the country uh, for commerce, vacations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, I mean, th- this is a pipe dream. No, yeah, testing every single person is a pipe dream, but we do have the, the, the ability to do a randomized statistical sampling to get a better idea of what we have. Now, I, I, I don't want to be, uh, yeah, I do want to be critical of uh, Wendy Lee. She has spent her life working in the educational industry, okay? She has a unionized job, and I would like to know what she would have to do to even be fired when she was working, if she still is. Because there, it's a, what I'm saying is the culture. The, that, the, the culture of our educational system causes people to have, in, in my, my opinion, a silo effect. She has a belief of what the world should be, and she teaches that way. Oh. And, well, but that's right. that's what teachers do. Thank you so much, Mike. Thanks for calling in. Do and hopefully, um, hopefully, there's another person teaching the other side of what Professor Lee teaches. Oh, Most yeah. likely not. There's a lot of Dr. Rosus <laughs> out there. You just never know. Uh, Carl, you are on the mark. We're doing two minutes apiece. You got the floor. Go right ahead. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. I just wanted to say that it was refreshing to hear uh, Representative David Rowe uh, speak this morning after the uh, professor from Bloomsburg. What she doesn't understand is the economy is what keeps people alive. Now, let me give you an example here. The price of hamburger, I was at a wholesaler yesterday. His wholesale price was up to five ninety-five a pound. And that's compared just, to what, Carl? Compared to what it Compared was two weeks ago, to, oh gosh, three, uh, two or three dollars, two forty-nine. Okay, so it's more. It's doubled basically. It, it, it's doubled, yeah, in about two weeks' time. And mm-hmm. there's, uh, he, he's not. Even, he won't even give prices out for next Monday because the prices are going to be jumping that that quickly. And when we get to the point where we're destroying our food supply, killing our cows, our chickens, and our pigs. And now the pricing is getting to the point where people aren't going to be able to afford it. You want to talk about the recipe for anarchy. Uh, it, it's scary to me to see, uh, to see what's happening out there. And it, we, ha- we have to take the, the risk sometimes. Well, well, Carl, we, I know you, you know, were involved in, in, and you called in the show, and I happened to be traveling and heard about the slaughtering of the, the animals. Is it is it necessary, or was it a breakdown in the logistics and the food chain that that they had to put those animals down? Well, when you have a processing plant that is closed because okay. of the so sickness, the food chain broke, the food chain breaks. The, okay. the animals then would be too large to process them, and then you have the the small the peeps coming in. You know, it, it's a it's like turning on a faucet. You can't. You have to keep the water running. You have peeps that are hatching every day, and you have animals that are being slaughtered every day. And if the processing plant can't take those chickens, well, 
something has to happen. So it was better to kill the large chickens and keep the chain moving by bringing the, the peeps in. And, and hopefully by the time those peeps are, you know, six to seven weeks old, the processing plant will be back open and we can keep the food you know, chain moving. Carl, a real quick question before we let you go. Very briefly, what's the lesson learned here? I, I think the lesson learned is I think we're overreacting. Uh, 200, I think it's 200,000 people die from the flu every year and nobody gets excited about that. And we now have 60,000 people that are dying because of this and we're shutting the economy down. To me, it just doesn't make sense. Well, it's, 50, 000, it's between twenty and 50,000 for the flu, but in any event, it's still fewer than the COVID deaths. But the flu's with us all year, and the COVID's only been around for two months, so there, there's there's some comparison there, but well, not, thanks, as, not as much. But anyway, okay, next caller. Cindy, we're doing two minutes apiece. Go right ahead. You're on the mark. Well, I was really kind of taken aback by that uh, woman that was speaking earlier. <laughs> Obviously, she feels very passionately about this, given the tone of her voice and the words that she chose to use. And I respect her passion, but I can't respect her logic. First, she says that it takes two weeks to show, you know, that someone would be two weeks incubating, basically, the illness before they're sick. Then she says that the illness is rising now. Well, if and this and implied this was due to opening. Well, it can't be, because if it takes two weeks to incubate, this means that these people got sick two weeks ago. The people who are sick now got sick at least two weeks ago. So that means that they got sick under the lockdown, not under the raise opening the doors and letting people move about. I don't know any situation in which we have, as a civilization, elected to isolate everyone. And in fact, watching those reports watching those uh, press conferences, repeatedly Dr. Burke said, we've never done this before. So this is yet another grand experiment. And what is most disturbing to me is that when you, as a medical person, when you try a therapy and that therapy doesn't work, should you then try it harder or should you change to a new therapy? I say you should change to a new therapy. And so I think while they have attempted this and it has had some effect it hasn't had sufficient effect and therefore it becomes a questionable treatment i don't i understand that there are people who are very distressed about the deaths i believe those deaths are inevitable i even if i never left my house those people are still probably going to die Cindy, which uh, which therapy are you referring to the therapy of locking everyone in their home. Oh, okay. So you're talking about the quarantine. This is an intervention. This is a medical intervention. Everyone will stay in their houses with the exception of the grocery store and an urgent medical appointment. Isn't that what the therapy we've all been undergoing for the last month at least? Yep. And okay. yet, have we seen then that people stopped dying? No, and we saw it in New York now where New York is, uh, the governor has to uh, unfortunately discuss uh, his his, his policies have uh, probably backfired to a degree when 66% of the cases were people who were quarantined at their homes. Exactly. 66% of the people who are getting sick are people who have respected the quarantine. So does thank that you. reflect well on the quarantine? All right. Thank nope. you so much, Cindy. Really appreciate the call. Stan, next up, last caller before a quickie break. Go right ahead. We're doing two minutes apiece. You're on the mark. Did I did I hear you correctly that uh, 
Columbia County is still going to be in the red, can't open up. Uh, today, yes, but today they're announcing more counties get to go to yellow, so we don't know which ones that'll be. Okay. I have a feeling right. it might not be Columbia County. Well, Columbia County has a nursing home in Berwick, I believe, or a center in Berwick that is the uh, hot spot. Which is a couple yeah, they're, in or, they're in Orangeville, I think. But anyways, regardless of that, so the governor is going to put over 500 jobs at risk at one facility up there trying to stop this when all what they should do is lock down those nursing homes, not let any new people in, don't let any people, you know, the workers, they all must be tested before they go. There's a way to stop it. That's what they did in, in Florida. They, you know, uh, how should I put it? They made sure that the vulnerable people down there were protected, and the rest of the you know the state they were on semi lockdown. But the, the nursing homes and the, and the villages and stuff down there where the elderly were, they protected them, and they have rates of very low rates of people getting sick and dying down there. So you're so, saying? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. So it's time to start that up there in Columbia County. I mean, I don't know how many. I know the, the plan I wear all of them. All right, it's over 500 people. They were hoping to open next week, but it's sounding now like they might not be. Well, wait, wait till what the governor talks about this afternoon. But again, we talked about this earlier, segmenting the population, and that looks like the successful way. It looks like the governor of New York, who was the second coming of the second coming of something, <laughs> and the now, devil. And, but yeah, anyways, <laughs> and, and now he realizes that he didn't have waterproof shoes, and so so we're seeing that. But the, the, again, looking at this, hey. Folks made decisions. Governors made decisions. They thought with the best information, which now is going to be questionable because if we're finding out the information is wrong. But look at the population density, the demographics of that density, and, again, segment those people out. Let the rest of the folks get going. Stan, if I can yeah. summarize what you said, you're basically saying if you have a dozen sick people in Orangeville, the smartest thing to do is to shut down a factory in Bloomsburg. That's, that's, that's a response. So. I think that's, well, that's what, what I, it's been. That's what I heard. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. We got you. Thank you so much, buddy. Thanks. And thanks for the text. We'll read a couple. We ain't going to get to all of them. <laughs> all uh, right. She's thanks. long gone anyway, so uh, that, that won't help. All right. Uh, we want to tell you about the Sunbury Motor Company. Please, this is imperative that you visit sunburymotors.com if your vehicular me- needs aren't being met. they got Ford, Lincoln, Kia, and Hyundai, and hundreds of pre-owned inventory there. Those are perfect used cars that have been checked out, cleaned, sanitized, and ready to go, and you don't even have to touch a salesperson. You're not going to finish this deal on a handshake. No, this is uh, all online. Your notary is going to be online. If you don't use computers, they can do it all telephonically, and then when you show up, your vehicle is going to be humming and waiting, and you're going to have to sign something on a clipboard they're going to leave there. When you're done, throw the clipboard out of the vehicle <laughs> gently, hand it to somebody, and uh, put, put your check on it. Lay some <laughs> rubber out, out, out the parking lot because the Sunbury Motor Company has figured out precisely how to do. They've always been virtually the best motor company around here, and now they're doing it virtually. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, pre-owned inventory. The best words you're going to need if a vehicular uh, issue has popped up in your life or you're just plain ready for new wheels, sunburymotors.com. Quickie break. We'll be back. we got calls.
callers coming in. We're doing two minutes apiece. we got some emails to read. We'll do those shortly. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. One of our good listeners sends a note. It says, all I can say is, wow, Dr. Wendy Lynn Lee's been waiting to vent, and she doesn't have a plan, but and she doesn't have both sides, but she did get to vent. She's a professor. She had the microphone. I think I would have been kicked out of her class for having an opinion opposite hers. <laughs> Moving forward, she can vent, but she's going to have to come up with a plan, a real plan, not just pent up venting. Okay. On the mark. Mental yeah. health at your fingertips. Just call in and we should try to help. We take good care of everybody. Van, we're doing two minutes of pop to try to get everybody in. Go right ahead. You're on the mark. Good morning. You know, early on we took an extreme position to lockdown and only having so-called life-sustaining jobs being open. And we had nothing really to compare it to. But now we can look over in Europe and we can look at Great Britain and we can look at Sweden Sweden, they protected their elderly, and numbers-wise, they're very comparable to what's going on in Great Britain, which is on total lockdown. So, logically, I mean, people have to start thinking and reasoning, because what we were told, the scientific models haven't worked out, the deaths haven't been the extreme highs they've told us early on, and I can understand being very safe early on, but we've reached a point now where if we continue to have things shut down, our economy is going to tank totally. It's, it's starting to lean that way now really hard. And if, if these governors that they have this power now, if they continue to do this, there's a lot of businesses that aren't going to survive this. And people need to eat. It's like the, the congressman brought up about people don't have their, their checks coming in like the professor does. There's people out there that are struggling to get by right now, people that have to pay their rent, have to pay their, their house payments, and people are literally going to lose everything through this if we don't get back to work. And there's no justification that we're to this extreme when a country like Sweden is doing what they are and surviving. Well, I and think uh, to summarize what you're, you're pointing out is that we're, uh, Dr. Anthony Ragusa, the psychologist at Evan, said, yes, we are on this, in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. <laughs> you know, some of us are in a yacht and we're smoothing along and the others are in a, a sinking canoe. That's that's right, and it, it's I, I pity people that don't have an income now and are not able to work. You know, the, the government's giving them money, but hey, it's not going to cut it. We right. need we need 
Well, and even if even if the money, the government could give them enough money, it's going to come to the point where businesses are going to just go under, and they're not going to have a job to go back to. Well, okay. and you can't get through to get your unemployment either, so it's not like this big stimulus and all the other stuff is readily at hand in helping people now. We still have people who've been trying to sign up for six weeks and still can't get through in Pennsylvania. In fact, we got a letter from one of their bosses up ahead. Thank you so much, Van. Thanks for all your help yeah, and uh, information this week. Are you and I on the SS Minnow? <laughs> We're on a, 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 a what, are, what are the cabin crew? What are those cruisers called? Minnow. Crisscross. We're in a Chris. We're, we're there with the house. Oh, I forget the name. Ginger, Marianne. The Pennsylvania boat from down in the Port Treverton area. Crisscraft. Oh, Keller's. Keller's yes, Marine. Keller. Crisscraft. Okay. Here we go. Uh, liberals love to announce the number of COVID cases rising and use the death numbers constantly in their argument. The number of cases that are reported never figure in the cases that have since recovered. But they rarely talk about the millions of people that probably have the antibodies from having it and never even know it. It is not that it's a huge part of the story in this medical crisis. Shouldn't that be somewhat comforting and good news? Millions probably have had this without knowing it and never got tested, which makes this virus not nearly as scary as the media wants it to be. Yeah, and there's something to that. Uh, we're finding out uh, now that the models, particularly uh, in New England, or New England, I'm sorry, in England, where the uh, the model that the uh, professor put out, uh, doctor put out, was wrong. Also, too, very interesting that Pennsylvania does not report its recovered uh, well, numbers. but it's easy to figure out. A lot of people have it that aren't reported, so you just, you know, let's suppose twice as many people have had it than are reported, so it's X number are tested. We don't know how many people have it that never tested, and unless you're on the, if you get if you're positive and you don't die, then you're recovered. So that's easy math. Well, we just don't know how many people yeah, have but, it. But everyone else can tell us how many people recovered, except for Pennsylvania. Bobby, you officially have the last word for the whole week. Go right ahead. You're on the mark. Okay, thank you. You know, Ben, you've been a businessman for a while here in, in the Valley, and of course, this country was founded on, uh, like, local, you know, people st starting their own businesses. Wises has been here, Sunbury Motors has been here, Knoebels has been here, the Squeeze-In's been here, Sunbury Sub Shop's been here, Marlin's been here. Okay, in other words, these the are idea. local businesses that are still here, and basically leave the businesses, the other businesses start. Okay. All right. Good point. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate the call. Yeah. Thank you, Bobby. Good point. Uh, let's see. One of our good listeners talks about, uh, uh, let's see, which doctor do you believe? Oh, okay. Yeah. Here's the clipping from last weekend's Pen Live. They did a story about uh, Dr. Yealy. What's his first name? Dr. Yealy. Very valid information. He's talking about the number of people that have antibodies is huge. The number of people that have had it and didn't get sick or didn't get very sick. Uh, plus, even with the shutdown, we didn't get the numbers that were anticipated. Uh, his view is this whole thing is really over overblown, and he's a UPMC doc, so go to Penn Live. Last oh. weekend, I think it was in Dr. Uh, uh, Yealy, Y-E-A-L-Y. Yeah, and we'll see this in about a year. We'll look back, and we'll see this in about a year. And also, uh, folks, big doings. Uh, look in Washington, D.C., and what's going on with the uh, Justice Department, the Flynn case, and the absurdness of the impeachment trial. We'll see more coming out this weekend in the next week. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening this week. Very much appreciated. Joe goes back in the tent on Monday. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK, Sunbury, 10 a.m.